I want to be with the song. I'm not going to sing it, but you know by heart. Hanero Tabalu Kodeshem. Finish it for me. Beinanu Rishut. We can't use them. Ella. Everyone knows that. Um, the Hanukkah candles, we don't use them for light. They need to be seen by going to show. They need to be <laughs> they need to be seen, but we can't use them for light, which is strange. But um, there's a code word in Jewish halacha that we call this concept. What's the overriding concept? Why are we lighting Hanukkah candles? What's the two words in Hebrew? Exactly. For Sumenisa, which means publicizing the miracle. Okay, that part was easy. Now. We'll take a vote. Um, what miracle are we publicizing? Let me get. Let me hear a nominee. What what miracle are we publicizing? Yeah, one. Ah, the, there's a right wing answer. The right answer. <laughs> we won the war. Okay, and what's the left wing answer? The oil lasted for eight days. Remember the whole thing? Okay, so let's take a vote. Because you've all lit menorah before, and you've all sang the song. So. When you saw the lights, right, who remembers when they see the lights of the military victory? Or how many right wingers do we have? Okay. <laughs> and two, how many people think of the, the miracle of the Hanukkah oil? Okay, that's most of you. The right wing a different way. Okay. <laughs> that's the other right wing. Okay. I'm from Israel. So we're... Um, you know what the answer is going to be? Uh, it's going to be neither and both, but we'll, we'll put them together. Now, that's only an excuse um, to talk about my main topic, which is the Mishkan and the menorah in the Mishkan. We'll get to Hanukkah by the end of this year. But there's one other thing, there's one other um, custom we have. We like the Hanukkah also in Shul, correct? What side in Halakha, where in the Shul do we put the Hanukkah? In what direction? Where in the Shul do we place the Hanukkah? Not always in the front. It's supposed to be on the southern side. Now, Lachat says you should be on the southern wall. What's the logic of that? Anyone know why? In the Beit HaMikdash, the menorah was on the southern side, and therefore it's to remember the menorah. Now, is there any connection between the Chalukmiyah and the menorah? Well, they're both, they're both candelabras, but one said it one day. It's the nace. Oh, the miracle, the oil happened in the menorah, sort of. We'll talk about that later. So that's a nice, it's a nice custom. Now, the problem is a Hanukkah is pretty much almost accidental because what was the original halakha for Hanukkah? The original custom of Hanukkah before we got to Mahabharata. What was the original One candle per home per night. And that was it, nice and simple. Before we started fancy weddings. It was nice and simple, everyone lit one candle per household. Then the Mahabharata came in and did what? Every person likes a candle. That'd be nice. And then, then we started this thing of Beitilo Beitshamai, every day adding one or every one, one day left. And last year, if I remember correctly, we did, or two years ago, we did a share about the darkest time of the year. Yes. That, 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 we're not doing that again, but we're going to relate to it at the end. What we suggested was, it wasn't by chance that Haggai, the prophet, that was the prophet who stole Hanukkah, uh, it wasn't by chance that the second temple was dedicated during the winter solstice on the Jewish calendar, but rather, um, things were really bad at the beginning of Second Temple history, and they broke ground on the Temple at the darkest time of the year, just as it's starting to get lighter, as a sign of there's always hope in times of darkness, which is pretty much Jewish history. Now, what we're going to do first is, I want to understand 
What's the concept of the Mimora and the Mishkan? And I want to make one basic assumption based on what you told me about pursuing this stuff. That lighting candles is symbolic. Agree? If we're saying pursuing these stuff, that we're lighting the candles not for light, we're supposed to look at them and remember something. Now, um, I want to apply the same concept to the Mishkan. Well, give me an example of other, before we get to the Mishkan, give me other mitzvot that we look at them and remember something. Not light. Tzitzit is classic. We said that every day. You look at Tzitzit, and what are you supposed to remember? Well, you can, you can achieve that by just saying it as well. What? You're supposed to remember what? Ah, that's a good point. Um, we'll add something. We're supposed to remember that why we're keeping it. The question is, are we remembering what happened, or what we're doing, or why we're doing it? You follow? That's going to happen a lot. I'll give you another example to clarify. Um, remember the Seder? We point to the matzah, and this and that. And what do we say? They're symbolic. What are they symbolic of? We look at the mouth and remember what? Remember our affliction? Remember they got took us out of Egypt? Or do we remember why or do we remember why got took us out of Egypt? We'll get to that later on as well. But what I want to do first is I want to suggest something about the Mishkan. I'm assuming that God doesn't need a house. Right? That's clear. We need something symbolic of our relationship with God. I want to understand primarily what's the function of the Menorah and the Mishkan, but before I do that, I need to have a discussion, what is the Mishkan about? What's this concept of a house for God? Everyone knows that passage from the beginning of Truma. The opening commandment after we get the Torah and the laws of Mishpatim, and we say, after we accept the Brit at Harsinai to be God's people, we have like six, five, not twenty-five, but six chapters, seven chapters of laws about the Mishkan. It begins with Basu the Mikdash, make for me a tabernacle, and I'll dwell among them. Now, um, was there a similar attempt to have some representation of God before we did that in Klamish? Or according to the. Give me another example of an attempt to represent God. If you follow everyone but Ramban, we'll get to Ramban in a minute, the assumption was that Aaron, when they made the Egyam, what was he doing? It was his idea. They figured Moshe was gone. They want to continue on the way to Israel. We need, a, we need a symbol of our God who's going to lead us on the way. And therefore, what does Aaron suggest to lead the way? Remember, he makes this egg, he makes this molten image out of gold. And what do the people say? This is the God who took you out of Egypt. Now, they just said that Moshe took them out of Egypt. But they're saying this is the God, this is the representation of the God who took us out of Egypt. And, and Aaron the next, the next day builds an altar in front of it and he says we're making a holiday for Hashem tomorrow. Was, Aaron's intention is that this animal is going to represent our God who took us out of Egypt who's going to take us to Israel. Now it got out of hand. And it turned into other worship. Not a topic for now. But the way Chazal understand is the Mishkan is going to try and fix that. Why is that important? Because the Mishkan is also going to be the symbol of God. Now, but it's a very complicated symbol, isn't it? Instead of one little animal or one little calf, what do we have? We have a whole complex. Now, in, the ancient, in ancient times, in ancient Near East, there's a certain model that every temple has. You know how it goes? There's always an altar, and the altar is in front of a symbol of a God. 
There could be a big Buddha, in front of the Buddha is going to be a, an altar. That's, that's classic. The question is, everyone has an altar. Everyone has sacrifices to the God. The question is, what's going to represent the God? Now, in idol worship, the representation of the God ends up becoming the God, and then we get into trouble. Now, what represents God in our Mishkan? Anyone remember? Well, tomorrow morning you're going to talk about it, if you're in Shul. Because when we take out the Sefer Torah, what do we say? Vayibin Soha Aron, Vayibin Moshe. Remember that? The Aron, when the Aron would travel, what would Moshe say? Kuma Hashem. Who's Hashem referring to? The Aron. The Aron. When the Aron is moving, they say, get up God, and travel. When the Aron came to rest, what did people say? Shuvah Hashem. No one thought that the Aron was God, but rather, it represented God. When the Jewish people crossed the Jordan River, what represents the God of Israel? The Kohanim holding the Aron. What I want to suggest is something nice and simple. When we represent God, we're not representing God, we're representing our relationship with God. I'm going to repeat that because it's my key point. My suggestion is, is that we need a symbol of our connection to God. The symbol is not going to be a God, but rather it's supposed to remind us of our, our relationship with God. And therefore, I want to look for something symbolic in every element of the Mishkan. Now, why would the Aron, the Ark, why would that be an appropriate symbol, not of God, but of our relationship with God? Because, yeah, what's in the Aron? Yeah. yeah. The Luchot, where are they called it? At the Seder. Who knows two? Luchot Apri. It's not just laws, it's a contract. There's got to be a lawyer here. Remember the contract? The, the Ten Commandments is really a contract between God and the people. The first statement is, I'm your boss. And that's why I took you out of Egypt. And the second statement is, you can't work for anybody else. And if you do, you're in big trouble. And it goes on and on. It's a contract between two parties. We're gonna, we'll, we'll discuss it soon. Now, if that contract is the essence of our relationship with God, to be a nation, to be a nation in the service of God, then what represents the God, not, the, not something out of gold that represents God, but rather an object that has the contract of our relationship with God. And therefore, that's the symbolism. I look at the Aron, and I remember not what God is, I remember that we stood at Harsina and accepted to be God's people forever. Now, there's something else that's really neat about our representation of God. Does anyone ever see the Aron, other than when they travel? But once, once we settle down, what do people see? What, what does an outsider see? No one sees the menorah. What do they see? They just see a tent. Now, if they study Chumash, what do they know is inside? Other than the coin who goes in every day. And other than the coin who goes in once in Yom Kippur. No one sees what's inside. Indoors is off limits. Now, but we know it's inside. Now, is that a nice representation of God? Because what's special about God? We know He's there, but you can't see Him. So the very idea that our symbol of God is something that we can't see, I'm pretty sure that's unique to, in Judaism. Instead of having a big symbol, imagine going to, um, what's that thing, the Lincoln Memorial, and not being able to see Lincoln, but knowing it's behind some vault somewhere, but no one can see it inside. Everyone, 
No, either no one would tell her, they would all complain. You need to see something. So, our symbol of God is something we know that what's inside, and we're going to do things that are symbolic inside, but the whole edifice is a covering. In fact, what is the word for the cover? The look in Chumash? Mishkan. The, Mishkan. the word Mishkan is the name for the entire edifice. It's also the name for the covers. Chapter 26 in Shemot, at the Mishkan Tasseh, the Mishkan is the ten like, um, pieces of material connected together that makes the blanket or the canvas that covers the Mishkan. Now, so that's the Aron, the Kruvim, we'll get to later on. The Kruvim, we're sure going to go back to Gan Eden. That would be easy. Um, but that's what's called in the Holy of Holies. I understand the Aron and the Kruvim as representing God or connection to God. But then we get to the what's called the Kodesh. What's in the Kodesh? What's in the... What? What, what are the three vessels that are in what's called the Kodesh? There's the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, where the Kohen Gadol goes on Yom Kippur once a year. That's the Aron, the Ark with the tablets inside, and the, the cover which has Kruvi, which you can't translate. When you go into the Kodesh, which Kohenim enter once a day, what's inside that? Three vessels. Right? There's a Shulchan, Menorah, there's a, there's a Shulchan, there's Mishpach Torah, and there's a Menorah. What was I pointing to? You get the point? Does it make sense? Terrible puns today. <laughs> there's the eyes, the Menorah, Mishpach Torah, that smell, and the Shulchan, which has bread, which we eat. Now, that might be coincidental. I don't think it is, though. I don't think it's coincidental that it matches up to, I would say, a, a face, but either our senses, or face. Someone say, someone think maybe the Kruvim is like listening, like ears, because God speaks with the Kruvim. Um, the aroma might be like the brain. I, I don't want to take it in, in that sense. Um, I want to relate to something much more basic. The Aron and the Shochan, I'm sorry, the Shochan and the Menorah and the Mizbak Torah are going to have certain actions that we do upon them. If there's a human face involved, of course the guy doesn't have a face, but there's a big theme in Chumash that comes way before standing in Harsinai. If the, if the Kodesh Kodeshim is Harsinai, and, and that's the covenant in Harsinai, I want to suggest in the share today that the Kodesh is creation. Which makes no sense at all. So that's what we have to do now. Uh, what I want to suggest is that I need to remember not only the theme that we're chosen to serve God, that's the theme of the Kodesh Kodeshim, that's the theme of the contract. There's a bigger theme, which is universal, that God created man in his image. And if God is made if God makes man with Salam Elohim, in the image of God, then there's a reason to have an image of man in the Mishkan that represents our relationship with God. Okay? So what we need to do is two things. Um, we need to have a little, we have to do a little bit of study of, um, of the story of creation in order to understand what's going on in the Mishkan. Now the page I gave you, everyone have the page? On the page that I gave you, this is an outline. I have another page coming up. This is just a review for those who study Chumash. I'm hoping it's a review and not brand new. If it's brand new then I'm assuming you've been to show for Trumit and Sabah, Bakab Kudai. Been there, done that every year? 
It's very long and tedious, but the, it's super organized. Parshat Shumat Tzadah, chapters 25 through 31 in Vayikra, is, is a perfect unit for teaching structure. It begins with um, the, the most important Jewish custom, which is collecting money. Okay. Remember, the Truma, as much as you want. Remember, don't feel guilty. Okay. And then the purpose of the donation, which is what? Make for me a tabernacle, and I'll dwell among them. Then we, the vessels are presented in the order of importance. Sort of. Okay. We have the Kodesh Kodeshim, you see that? With the Aron, that has the Lukot, which is our contract. The Kapor, on top of it, that's the cover, that has Kruvim on it, that will be our symbol from Ganeiden. We'll get to that soon. Okay. Then we have the vessels in the Kodesh, which we talked about before. The Shokhan, the Menorah, and... Oh, something's missing here. What's missing? Okay. Is that a mistake? No. If you know your Chumash, it's not a mistake. It might be a mistake in Chumash, it's not a mistake on the page. You understand? For some reason in Chumash, the Mizbach Torah, the incense altar, should be right here. Because it's in the Kodesh. For some reason, it's only presented much later on. That'll be important for us later on. But the vessels in the Kodesh is only the Shofan and the Menorah. Clear? Now, Then we have the tent that covers it, and that's the covering, which is, that's, we're going to sort of hide, we know what's inside and we're going to cover it with different skins. Um, and, and the prophet's going to divide between the Kodesh, Kodeshim, and the Kodesh. Then we have the courtyard, which has the machitza around it, called the Chatser. And the Mizbah that's the altar where we offer our korbanot in the Chatser. Then, out of order, that's exactly where at the beginning of Parshat Tzatzaba now, for some reason there's two lines about bringing oil for the menorah that doesn't belong here. You see why I have oil for the menorah that doesn't belong? It's out of place. We'll go back to that later on. Followed by the Big Day the garments of the, of the Kohen Gadol and then the regular Kohenim. Then there's the seven-day inaugural ceremony. And then there's the daily Korban Tamid, which the Jewish people bring from the half a shekel everyone collects. Remember, once a year? And the Korban Tamid is one offering brought on behalf of the entire nation. And then in the beautiful summary pasuk, which I'm just quoting in the end, it says, V'shachanti p'toch b'nei Yisrael v'ayikilad n'adohim Yadu k'nei Hashem v'tuk yad v'ichet What I want to show you is the entire unit begins with Vasudim Mikdash Veshachanti and ends with Vasudim Mikdash Veshachanti Betoch Bnei Yisrael, which we call the Shechina unit. But if you follow the structure, I have the presentation of the Mishkan, here's what you need to do to build a place for me to dwell. Now, for some reason, when it's all over, we're at the end of Parshat Tzavim, we have what we call the leftovers. If you want, you can follow in the Chumash. You can look at your Chumash if you want, if you don't believe me. Okay. How, how does the leftovers begin? Why am I calling them leftovers? Because I have a unit which is logical. It starts with the Vishkina and Vishkina. And it's structured to the T, with one little exception of the oil for the menorah that's a little bit out of place. Otherwise, the structure is totally logical. And then I forgot a couple things. I left out the Mizbah HaKtoret, the incense altar. I left out the Maksita Shekel, which is the... Remember the Maksita Shekel we take? What do we do with the silver? The silver is used to make the sockets that hold up the, the Krashim, the beams of the Mishkan. Okay, that was later. Then we have the Kior, which we wash our hands on. Then we have Shemen Mishka, which we use for anointing the Kedim. Then the Ktorit, which is on the Yisvach And then we have the Builder, 
and then we have the then we have Shabbos, and then it's over. Now, what's really neat, you can do that later for homework. All the leftovers match up earlier sections because the Mitzvah Torah belongs where? In the Kodesh, see that? The Machita Shekel belongs with the Olamoid because that made the statutes for the beings. The Kior belongs with the Chater, doesn't it? That's the Choshet, that's the bronze. Okay. The Shemen Amishcha was used to anoint the Kohanim the Vikdei Kuna, and it was used during the inaugural ceremony. And the Torah is a Korban that's brought daily on the Mitzvah Torah, just like the Olat Tamid is brought on the... You understand how it looks like a charm? Kodesh is up to something. Now, that's, that's not a topic for today. I just wanted to show you that the, the Kelim of the Mishkan are presented in Shmot and they're organized. Something big is going on. Um, then we have Shabbat, and here's what I want to suggest. Shabbat and the Mishkan go hand in hand, don't they? Everyone who keeps Shabbat knows that. Because how did we find what's forbidden to do on Shabbat? What, what defines work on Shabbat? The work that was done during the week, during the week. Yeah. and therefore God tells Moshe even though I'm commanding you to build a Mishkan and even though the Ten Commandments says you can't do your work I might think I could do God's work no, don't think you can even God's work you can't do on Shabbat um, and therefore building a Mishkan doesn't override Shabbat now um, then we have the line at the end where God says, no, keep Shabbat, it's an oath between me and you, and therefore I have Kedushah, the realm of time, Shabbat, and the realm of space, the Mishkan. And the realm of the Jewish people, the Kohanim. Now, what does this have to do with this idea of a face of God, or the idea of what I call um, the sentimental king? We, we have an allusion here to, some, to a face of some sort. Remember, this way of eyes, mouth, as an out and a nose and things like that. But what does that have to do with creation? And what's that to do with Shabbat? To do that, I have one more source sheet. I'm sorry, I'm saying couldn't get out before, and otherwise, now we get the main source sheet. And while this goes around, yeah, so that's around too. It's two-sided. Okay. But we have to look at it yet. We're going to take a short break while the page is going around, and we're going to talk about the story of creation, what the theme is. Now, what's forbidden to do on Shabbat? It's, it's all work, rabbis work on Shabbat. Um, people, everyone, we all work on Shabbat. We do dishes on Shabbat, we, we clean the table on Shabbat. What in the is forbidden? If you look carefully, it seems to be creativity that's forbidden. That's, for, that's forbidden. You can't do something creative. Something that didn't exist before, you can't be, um, you can't be creative. Now, creativity is a gift that God gave us. What I want to suggest is that man's ability to be creative is what Chumash is talking about at Selah And the entire story of creation is coming to explain to man what's the meaning of his ability to be better than everything else created. Now, there's an there's equation that the Rabbah uses to define Tzalem Elohim. Everyone knows Tzalem Elohim is day six. Tzalem um, Elohim means in the image of God. God makes man in his image. You know that from Shabbat Brachot. Remember? Now, 
The Rambam in Moreno Bukhim, his opening paragraph of the first book of Moreno Bukhim, he gives some really boring definitions. But his first definition is mathematical and it's beautiful. He says as follows. What is the definition of Seven Elohim? He gives the following definition. I need a, a sigma. You know, you know what sigma is? He says, si he doesn't use that, but I'm using it to translate them. Sigma man minus sigma animal equals Seven Elohim. Take the sum total of what man is, subtracting that what an animal is, and what do you have? Seven Elohim. In what way is man qualitatively different than every, any other living thing? It's, there's something godly about man, which is the ability to be creative, to sit back and think and plan, to be an architect, to plan. So things, things that man does that animals don't do. But that's iron. What? You see, the advantage of man over animals is iron. Yeah. Now, everyone knows there's a difference between man and animal. Everyone knows they're similar, there's a difference. It's very hard to define it, isn't it? I, don't, I think in philosophy, no one really came down to a, a pinpointed definition. The best thing is that some justice of the Supreme Court said about um, a different topic that I don't, I can't define it, but I know what it is when I see it. Okay, I didn't say that, but you did. Okay. <laughs> it's almost the same thing. I know there's a difference between man and animal. It's hard to pinpoint it, but we know there's a difference. I, I think it's man's creativity, his creative ability. And if I want to sort of be cute, God creates, starting from chaos, total lack of order, total goal. When the seven days are over, we have what we call nature. Things are organized. There's a set of laws we call physics. And they're set into motion. And that set and doesn't change. But God's creation, even though, even though the laws are set, God's creation doesn't remain stagnant. What happens? Creation is over, and what begins? Civilization. You follow? We go from creation to civilization. Who is entrusted with civilization? Man. What enables man to develop civilization? His seven elohim. What does man do with that creative ability? He has a choice, doesn't he? He can do good or he can do bad. There's another story about that in chapter 2. Alright? But first of all, man has to recognize I need a symbol for man to remember that his ability to be creative is a gift from God. Now, is it only important to remember that it's a gift from God, what I like to call um, expression of gratitude? Or is it more than that? that? For sure I need to remember that God gave me this gift of creativity. The question is, is it enough simply to thank God who gave me this ability to be creative? Or do I have to do something with that creativity? Like if I take it to matzah, do I need to remember that God took me out of Egypt? Or why God took me out of Egypt? Do I need to be thankful? Do I need to express my gratitude? Thank you for taking me out of Egypt. Shkoyach, thank you. And now let's get on with life. I have to pay my dues and I have to praise you because you like to hear your praises. Or the collective memory of our suffering in Egypt is going to be a guiding light in how we act on, in our day-to-day -day life as Jews. Because I have to remember my suffering to make sure I don't do that to others. What's so much saying? Of course. If you follow the it's still out. Right? Remembering the Exodus every day is not just out of gratitude, it's recognition of destiny. It's, it's that memory is supposed to shape your day-to-day -day behavior. And therefore, I need to remember it every day. In the same way, if I'm going to look at the Mikdash or the Mishkan and see myself or see human traits or human senses there, 
I need to remember that I was made in God's image. And I need to remember not only that God made me that way, and that's a gift from God, I need to remember what to do with that creativity. What does God want me to do with that? Um, so now, to appreciate that, we have to study the story of creation. I'm assuming this is something, this is something people know, but I'd better review it. Everyone knows that the creation story is parallel. What's called 142536. For those who don't, I'll review it. It's, it's so simple. If you didn't notice it, you'll shoot yourself. Okay. They, it, number one, on the six days of creation, they all follow a pattern. It's as simple as can be. What's the pattern? Every day begins with Bayomer Lokim, followed by a command. Every day. There's one command every day. One act of creation. It begins Bayomer Elohim. Command, followed by execution. Bayomer Elohim, he or, by he or. Followed by evaluation. It's like a straight report card. Almost, except for day two, which has not no break. But everything has evaluated. And then by year, by Boker, Today, and some little more details inside. But every day has one act of creation, except for days three and six. And days three and six have two acts of creation. There's two Bayomerlohims followed by a command, followed by an execution, followed by evaluation. Understand? Now, day one, what does God make? It's on the source sheet, you can look at it. Um, source, uh, source F. We'll go back to the. Uh, we, we did most of the things beforehand, but we'll, we'll go back to them in a minute. Look at source F. Um, day one, God makes life, or day four, God makes the Mo'orot. You can't miss that. Or Mo'orot. On day two, God makes the Rakia, which divides between some mind. Remember, there's mind everywhere. But he divides between the water up above, up there, Sham is what? Mine. What do we call the mine sham? Sham mine. And what do we call the water down below? Yamim. So there's no land yet. That's day two. And the division is called a rakia. And God gives names to everything, doesn't he? Because everyone gets a name in the first three days. Then the waters recede, Yikabuha mine, and God makes Yabasha and calls it Arat. Remember that? Day three. But day three has two acts. First God makes land, and then he makes the plant kingdom. Um, with basically bird kriya, the man bird kriya is, if you follow the Brachot. That's what God makes on day three. Now, day two is parallel to day five, because what does God make on day five? The fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Understand how that's parallel to day two? On day two, God makes the rakia, the divides between heaven and seas. On day five, He makes the birds in the heavens and the fish in the sea. What was it made yet? The animals on the land, the land animals. That's parallel 3a, when God makes the land, is parallel to the land animals in 6a. On the second part of day 3, God makes the plant kingdom. On the second part of day 6, God makes man the sentimental king. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's a review. Now, I want to add something, which I think is important to the, to the structure. Not only is it parallel 1, 2, 3, um, 1, 4, 2, 5, and 3, 6, but the, the jump from 3a to 3b it's parallel to the jump from 6a to 6b. I'm going to repeat that because it's going to be critical. What point is Chumash making? The jump from 3a to 3b is a quantum leap that I think even Darwin can't figure out. No one figure out. How do I go from the Big Bang, how do I go from matter, from the creation of matter, 
Um, no, that is the periodic table. How do I go from that to life? That no one has an explanation for. I'm pretty sure. Definitely nothing convincing. That's a quantum leap from material, from from matter to life forms, to life and death. It begins with the plant kingdom. Once I start the plant kingdom, Darwin can take over, and evolution can explain how it develops if you hold from that. But but the, the jump from land itself to life forms on land, that's a big jump. Now, in a similar way, there's a quantum link between 6a and 6b, which is not so obvious, is it? But what is Kumish saying? Just like there's a quantum link between 3a and 3b, there's a quantum link from 6a to 6b. What point is that highlighting? That God's creation of man is not what Darwin is saying. It's not just a super-duper ape. But there's there's a qualitative difference between man and animal. And once man realizes that, religion sucks. Man can view his existence, perceive nature, understand physics and laws of nature, understand biology, he can perceive everything, and he can see himself as a super duper ape. Not in a, neg- in a negative way, even in a positive way. I think modern science has gotten right there. But is that difference between man and animal, is that something that's just evolutionary? Or is that something qualitatively different? Chumash is saying, that's your Tzelem God blessed you with that ability. Now what do you do with it? Everything else that God created in nature has a purpose. Everything goes by a set of laws. There's a food chain. and There's laws of nature. Right? Man's ability to be creative should also have a purpose. And that's the question that faces man. What do I do with my creativity? Got it? That's why I want to claim that the Mishkan is going to represent. Because what Avodah do we do in the Mishkan? So what do we bring on the... Um, what do we bring? Or which animals do we bring? Domesticated animals. Is that an act of man? Is that man, is that man one up on nature? Follow what everything we're doing in the Mishkan is one up on nature. So uh, if you have your Chumash open, I want you to see something. It's, it's source H, but um, open up chapter 23. I want to begin in chapter 23 because you know it by heart. At least the first line and the last line. So chapter 23 in Baikri, you know by heart. It's going to be page 300 and... No, 300, 200. 200 and... What page is it? 260? Look at the first line of chapter 23, the last line. How can we know it by heart? Oh, I'm sorry, from Patrick Dawid. Elamodesh, Epikrei Kodesh. And how's it end? By Dabur Moshe, Modesh, and Abba Israel. That's Kedesh Anyamta, isn't it? Chapter 23 are the holidays. Those are the Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, everything. All the holidays are there. And what do we bring on the holidays? Something special, something from nature, the Omer, the Shteya Lechem, the uh, Abraminim. It's very agricultural, but those are the holidays. Chapter 24, no one pays attention to. Because it seems to be out of place. Look at chapter 24, and what do we have? The first four psukim are what commandments? See chapter 24, page 263? Commandments like the menorah, how often? Every day. Once a day, 
In the morning he comes in to clean it, in the evening he lights it, and the birds from evening to morning. Every day we do the menorah. But what do we take? Shemen zayt zakatik la moor. What we say for? More. Who created light? God created light, the big ones. Man, I don't think any other animal lights candles. I figured figure out how to do that. Man can create light. That's illuminating. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's an expression of man's creative ability. I can create light. Not just fire. Fire can, it's combustion. But better than fire, I can create light. And I can have light at night. Now that, might, that might even relate to Hanukkah somehow. Man has the ability. Now, what does man do with that ability to make light? That's his creativity. He has to be thankful that God gave him that ability. But what does he do with that creative ability? I need to remember that every day. And hence, what do we do symbolically every day? We like the menorah. Make sense? Now, look at the next one. It puts the icing on the cake. That was a really bad pun. Let's see why. <laughs> no one even got that. Plus the five. Okay, plus the What does that mean? Take flour, which is man-made a little bit. Like, you know, that's grinding flour, but it's still natural material. That's baking. That humans do, animals don't do. Animals eat grass, they, they can eat wheat and things like that. But of course, grinding it, I think, aren't those the Malachas of Shabbos, if I'm not mistaken? Isn't the candle in the wicks also Malachas of Shabbos? Kibuin, um, like, lighting a candle and, and blah, blah. We're, we're talking about all the Malachas of Shabbat, which we learn from the Mishkan. Isn't that super creative, taking flour and turning it into bread? That's an act of creativity. And that's unique to men. We do that every Shabbos. That's once a week. Now, um, if you put it and, and you switch it once a week, and once a week they come and take it and they eat it. And they, um, and they, what do you call it? And they split it up every Shabbat. Now, every day we like the menorah. Once a week we switch the, the bread. What's missing here? Then we have another top that we have to, We're missing the Torah again. Chumash is consistent, isn't it? There's a reason why. The Torah is a different, has a different topic. So it's really neat. Every day we do something, the menorah. Every week we do something. How about once a year? The clan got all basic Torah inside, doesn't it? And we put blood on the... In fact, I'll show it to you in a minute. Now, if you follow carefully... There are two Avodot Tamid, which are unique to Tarmishkan. Every, every nation brings Korbanot, sacrifices, that's on the outdoors. Indoors, in the symbol of our relationship with God, there's two things we do, one every day and one once a week. They're acts of creation. In fact, God on day three made what? He made shrubs, he made, he made vegetation. What do we do? We take that and we improve it, and we make bread. God made light, he made light, we make light, like on day four. Now, um, if you go back to the outsider's bath, we domesticated animals. What animals are carbonates? Only the ones we domesticate. Man takes an animal and, and does something with it, something creative with it. That's Jacob. Remember, he's an expert at it. Now, um, I want to show you the Mizbach Torah, what is Shabbat, look carefully. Go back now to chapter, Sefer Shemot chapter 30. Remember, we talked about the leftovers? Look at chapter 30 in Shmot. 
I'm just joking, but it's fun. <laughs> like that's what the word man means. Never, man means what? What is it? It's called man. But you're 100% right. Take a look at chapter 16 in Sefer Shemot. Page reader. But all the sources are on the page I gave you. Just without writing them down would have, would have been a would have been a yearbook. Um, and look at chapter 16, verse 4, page 147. They run out of food on purpose. And what's that What's going to I need to test them are they going to follow my laws or not. They get ready and they bring kid doubles. And then um, everyone takes the omer, the whole thing. And towards the end it says, um, this is, that's when they learn about Shabbat. Um, um, Pazik. Verse 22 on page 148. What's going on here? And God says, it's good. Uh, verse 25 on page 149. 26. The first experience we have as a Jewish people with Shabbat is before we get to Torah and Sinai, is with the Mount. And it's through the mind we learn the concept of Shabbat. Understand? Yeah. What does the mind teach us? Moshe explains this in Sefer Dvarim, chapter 8. But what, what does Moshe explain to the people? Remember, you're 40 years in the desert, did God fed you the mind to teach you that you don't eat to live, you live to... You don't live to eat, you eat to live. And God says, now, how does the mind falling teach us about God giving us the ability to make bread? Had the man fallen every single day, on a regular basis, every day, seven days a week, regular, what would we call that? Nature. We'd call that nature. Because it falls every day, but with God it says, but Friday double and nothing on Shabbos. The fact that it doesn't fall on Shabbos, what does that teach us? That when it falls during the six days of the week, it's from God. You follow? It's above nature. In other words, it's by not collecting the man on Shabbos and I'm not falling on Shabbos I learn the meaning of the man that I eat every day of the week isn't that Shabbos? or what I'm trying to get at is that on Shabbos we stop all creativity for what reason? to remember that there's a creator he stopped, he stopped creativity because they have to look at our, our mouth we remember by, by not working on Shabbat we remember that God created but we're not only remembering that he created, you have to remember why he created, and why he gave us the ability to be creative. Because what, what is man supposed to do with his creativity? The first thing I need to remember is there's one God, and my ability to be creative, my creative ability is a gift from God. I need to remember that. Yeah, question. Well, why is gathering mind creative? No, 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 I'm saying the opposite. No, two things. The man experience was to teach Am Yisrael, the man understanding where they follow my laws, that God gives Rechem in Hashemayim. But it's preparation for the land of Israel, because what's going to happen? I'll do, this is, I'll give you a, 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 an hour share in short things. When they collected the man, what was the name of the container they collected the man with? It's called an Omer. It was called an Omer. An omer was the thing they scooped up the man with. 
It's the only time you have the word. The first time you have the word, it's rarely in Chumash. The Omer is the utensil which you scoops up the mud. How much could it hold? A tenth of an ephah. Now, you put in as much as you needed, but the container was a tenth of an ephah. And in the desert, every day, they use Omer to collect the wheat. We can't remind the visitor, we don't need money anymore, do we? But during the seven weeks of the grain harvest, and that's the only time of the year that we have grain in the land of Israel, what do we talk about every day during those seven weeks of grain harvest? We talk about omen. To remember what? Even though we're living with nature, and we gather the grain on our own, and what might I think? I might think, Kochi ba'otsam yadi asale tachaylazem. It's chapter 8 in Dvarim. I need to remember, ki hu anotem akot l'sotchayot. God wants you to be a farmer. He wants you to work and gather the field. But you do it yourself and you treat it as though it's all from heaven. Understand? Okay, to do that properly is a whole thing, but if, that's what owners are about. Such a beautiful mitzvah. It's got nothing to do with that, not going to movies. Right? Or feeling guilty about listening to music. There's, it, it's such a when, If you're living in a land and your staple is bread and the only time grain grows is two months a year, those seven weeks are critical to your life for the whole year. But I need to remember that the grain that I'm collecting is a gift from God. Even though I'm doing it, I have to treat it as though it's a miracle. Living with nature and treating it like a miracle is one of the biggest challenges of Judaism because what might happen? I can think I did it myself. One thing, I could be a nobody. But Chumash says, be a somebody who thinks he's a nobody. There's a danger if you're a somebody, you think you're a somebody, and you become haughty. Remember? Brahma Babacha Vashakata Tashem Lukyaka. Hope you know what I'm talking about, chapter Parshanikyo? Sure. It's summer vacation, you all. Yeah, we're not working there. And then you have to remember, he, and that's what, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu explains, the reason why I gave you the modern experience was to prepare you for the dangers of prosperity in Israel. Not that you shouldn't be prosperous, you must be prosperous. But in your prosperity, be a somebody who thinks he's a nobody. And how do you thank God? But what do you do with your prosperity? Because God made man in a way that they need one another. You follow? Man is interdependent. And the question is, are we going to be like stone, which is antithetical to Judaism, or are we going to be like Abraham Avinu? If you understand what's going on in the Sefer Bereshit. When God blesses us with prosperity, what does God want us to do with that prosperity? Everyone for himself, or work as a group? What we call Achdus. We have to be the model of Achdus. But we have a message for mankind about that. What does man do with his prosperity? Does he take it for the common good of mankind, or everyone out for himself? That's a challenge of civilization, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the Torah is going to be our God. It's worth the temple. Or it's worth 20 chapters. It's worth... Do you understand the symbolism behind it? Now, I did all that to show you that lighting the menorah now is the main... I'm, I'm sorry. The once a week, we do... It makes sense now why Lechem is once a week, the whole month thing, and Shabbat and our whole connection to Shabbat. Why do we do it once a week and why in Shabbat? And why Lechem? Every day, we have the sun and the moon. Like, what do we do every day? We make light. And we have to remember our ability. That's industry. That's human, that's human ingenuity. That's, there's a great line in Mishlei. Kinem mitzvah Torah or? The ability to enable other people to see. Just, just sight. And if you understand in English. To see means also to understand. The ability to clarify things. To, to make things work. That, I think, goes with wisdom as well. That ability of man, man has to remember it's a gift from God, and he has to remember what to do with it. Therefore, laying the menorah is going to be the kiyabot every day. The Torah is only in order to go into like the menorah. Who's in charge of lighting the menorah? 
The Kohanim. What is the job of the Kohanim? What is the Kohanim's main job? Not to bring Korbanot. To teach. What do they do? They take the laws of God and they apply it to the people of Israel. It's called the app. It's called an application. I need a set of laws that I can apply them throughout Jewish history and through different situations. The raw material is the Luchot, is the Torah, in the Kodesh Kodeshim. I need to take those laws and apply them to every generation, to every situation. Whose job is that? That's the job of the Kohanim. Therefore, the Kohanim have to like the Torah, and therefore, whenever I find Kohanim being introduced, what's always out of place? Something about the Menorah. Example number one. Look on your, on your outline I gave you. Remember that one little glitch? Remember everything was so nice and structured? Look on our source E. It's own page. The outline of the Mishkan, the first page I gave you. Everything is in perfect logical structure. The Kodesh Kodeshim, the Kodesh Elmoy, the Chatzar, everything makes sense, except for the leftovers. But smack in the middle, the oil for the menorah belongs with the Kodesh, with the menorah. I took it away from there and put it where? I put it as the introduction to Bidei Kuna. The chapter divider messed up. It should be beginning of chapter 28, not the end of chapter 27, but we'll write him a letter one day. You follow what happened? That explains that one little glitch in that perfect structure, the oil is out of order. But I'm purposely putting the oil next to the Kohanim. Now, there's one other time, Pasha Balotah. Remember that one? Are we going to read that on Hanukkah? Why do we read on Hanukkah? Because on Hanukkah we read chapter 7 of Sefer Dvarim, don't we? Of Sefer Bamidbar. We want to take a quick look inside. How are we doing time-wise? Oh, almost done. Chapter 7 is... Oh, not to mention that the menorah had seven candles, seven. Why would, why would it have seven? Seven days. Of course. you understand how it relates to seven in creation? Um, I'm sorry, we're Sefer Bamidbar. Who found the page? Who found the page? Chapter 7. Yeah, page uh, 294. That's the lady for Hanukkah, the 12th Nassim. Remember the 12, goes back to the 12 things of bread for the 12th Shabbatim. When it's all over, um, verse 84 on page 299. We learn multiplication tables. And look at verse 88. Nice summary. And then the last line of chapter 7 makes no sense at all. Verse 89. What's going on? But if you know your Chumash, on the day they inaugurated the Mishkan, all the Nisim brought the exact same Korban. Everyone said, no one was outdoing each other. It was before Jewish, but before we were outdoing everybody, everyone brought the exact same thing. God was so happy that everyone brought the exact same thing, you know what he said? Every Nisim gets his own special day. You see what happened? Read it. On the first day, we'll read that on the first day of Hanukkah, everyone brought all of them. And this was, they all brought everything times 12 on the first day. Everyone brought the exact same thing, and they were planning to offer it all in one day, one big giant Kiddush. God said, 12-day Kiddush. 12-day Kiddush, and every day will be one for every, even though everyone did the exact same thing, everyone has their own special day. And that's the, 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 the Hanukkah Tanisim. And when it's over, who gets a special day? The last thing ends. That enabled God, that's the first day they built the Mishkan, now God is going to speak to Moshe Rabbeinu from inside the Olmois instead of from outside the Olmois. Because now God finished um, our punishment from Chet is not over. Because we built a Mishkan, the Shachan Tibetokham. 
So now God talks to Moshe from indoors instead of from outside. And then we mention the Kohanim. Babel Satan wrote, What's Aram Shnam? Talaykum Noram. Followed by the Kohanim and Levim, switching the Jabal's leadership from the Bukhar to the Levim. Whenever I have the Kohanim, I have something with the Menorah. It's down the line. Because what's the job of the Kohanim? The Bukhar to Levi. Yorum Shpatakal Yaakov Tal Kali the job of Shevet Levi is to be the teachers of Torah, to apply the Torah to the Jewish people. Now, there's one last parallel. Look at the source sheet again on the one I just gave you. Um, now we'll go over everything and we'll review everything we just did. Oh, my main point was clear now. I'm trying to show you that there's... My whole point of this share is symbolism. And symbolism isn't just cute. Symbolism is going to touch on the core ideas of Judaism. So I need the symbolism, for sure, in the Kodesh Kodeshim. We'll talk about that in a second. And that has to do with remembering Harsinai. We'll go over that in a second. But there's still symbolism of chapter 1 in Brishit, and I think you see it in the, in the, Mish, in the Kirim, in the, uh, the vessels of the Kodesh. And we're taking man-made materials of nature. We're improving on it. We take oil. It's like really cool. Remember Noah after the flood? There's a recreation story. What's he do? He makes wine. Doesn't he? And that's smart, isn't it? Taking grapes and making wine. Uh, I can do it and get drunk. I can do it and make kiddush. You understand? Everything works that way. Now, um, look in, um, I, we, did, we did the thing, we did F. Just look quickly in I. In the Mishkan, there's another parallel. In the Kodesh Kodeshim, we have the Aron and Kaporet. The Aron is built just like the Shulchan. The Kaporet is just like the Menorah, the Mikshazahal. Which shows you that the Kaporet is where God speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu from the Kaporet, from the Tukruvim. That goes to the to the, to the um, menorah and the menorah now is going to I can have oil if I don't refine the oil I can't run a car I need a refinery the, the, the menorah has a refinery not to mention taking matter and turning it into energy and all the physics behind it so letting the menorah is going to be symbolic of man's ingenuity his wisdom and the idea of applying the Torah to every situation and generation and teaching that and it's going to be the main thing we do on a day to day basis and therefore every day that's what we do in the, in the, in the Mishkan now Go back to G, and I want to show you what, what happens now with Hamish. After creation, my whole point was we go from creation to civilization. The last thing God makes on day six is man with Salem Elohim. Man now is entrusted with civilization. But he can do good, he can do bad. God has expectations for man. It's not enough just to say thank you. What does man need to do? How does Hamish teach us God has expectations for man? The guy made this story. Man is supposed to be in the service of God. When man doesn't serve God properly, what happens? He gets the boot. What's going to guard man from returning to working for God? What's going to symbolize man's shifa, man's shifa, man's um, striving to return to be a servant of God, to be an Eved Hashem? The Kruvim only, the Kruvim are guards, but they're selected. So it's, it's not a wall that puts up, he puts a guard. Only someone worthy can come in. And therefore, if you're worthy, you can get past the Kruvim. But the Kruvim are... are are the way to So I need the Ganadin story to appreciate the meaning of the Kruvim. And the only time you have Kruvim in Chumash is Ganadin in the Mishkan. Um, for the flood story, uh, I know that God has expectations for man's behavior. If man's bad, God punishes. And then the flood's over. Remember Noah gets drunk? That cute little story there. But remember, he's no tag carom, but he makes wine, which is, again, ingenuity at a very basic level. And then we have the Tower of Babel. What's man do? He's using his brains again. That's the first industrial revolution, isn't it? He says, 
I'm not going to build out of stone. I can make bricks. Remember? Let's make a fire. And let's make bricks and clay. Remember? Is that exactly the Pesukim? And men now he uses his ingenuity as a collective, as a collective group. He works on a project. He builds a city and a tower. For what reason? To make a name for man, as opposed to making a name for God. What do we need to do? We also have to be industrious and build a city and a tower, but to make a name for Hamakom Hashem Parashem, we have to make a name for God. What do you do with that city? Is that a city of oppression or a city of justice? No. Um, then we talked about the commandments from... Um, so then we had an H, the daily menorah every day, and a weekly shulchan, what we talked about, baking bread, and nearly cleansing the arom. Now we'll get to Hanukkah in a minute. Go back to the ABC at the beginning of the page. It's a review, we did all this, and I'll just show you. I began with the Hanukkah. I'm going to my time's up, we'll, we'll finish. Okay. We began with the Hanukkah, remember? And I showed Pursume Nisa, means symbolism. And I look at a light, it's supposed to symbolize something to me, it's supposed to mean something to me. Not only what happened, but the purpose of what's God doing. Um, the Mishkan in general is a symbol of our Sinai. That's Ramban. Ramban is chapter 25, and those are the Pesukim he brings it from. That, that was just establishing my key point that by definition, the way the Mishkan is described, it's a reminder of what happened at our Sinai. That's for sure. It's a click of Ramban, beautiful proofs he brings. Okay, then we brought the example from Tzitzit, and what I didn't mention before is he had the exact same words by the Tzitz of the Kohen Gadol. And therefore, tzitzit is not just remembering to keep the mitzvot, it's remembering you're chosen by God to serve Him, to represent Him. To be a mamnesek And that's see, that's the reason we make it Harsinai. We took upon ourselves not just to believe in God, but to serve Him by how we act as a nation. We take upon our national responsibility as a collective group of people to forever be a model nation, bringing the concept of godliness to mankind by acting in a way that makes God look good. By taking our industry, by being a nation, by being industrious, by having factories and having technology, by taking that blessings of prosperity and ingenuity and industry and doing it for the betterment of mankind. It could be in science, it can be in, in medicine, whatever it might be, and that's the Jewish people. That's what we're about. And we do it in the name of God. Um, then we talked about the, um, indeed, we talked about the golden calf we mentioned, and the Aaron is a symbol being the battle we talked about, and the matzah about expression of gratitude is supposed to recognition of destiny. But it's not remembering what happened, but why it happened. So not just being thankful, God made me the seven of but also the purpose. Now, the last part I want to end with is going back to Hanukkah finally. But the main goal this year was to understand the Mishkan, the Kodesh, Teratalos and Breshi. Um, now, now that God has nature and creativity, I need a guide of, of what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, what's told and wrong. So Chumash gives me guidelines, Torah, we call the Torah. We have Kasha Mishpatim, we have Toshim Tzil, you follow? I need guidelines of what is Tzidu HaYashar Ben Yashem. Then I have to apply them. If God just said be moral, I might think that what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. I need basic principles of what God expects from mankind, of our interdependence on one another. What do I do with my prosperity? That's the biggest thing of Chumash. Because if I didn't have Chumash, I could go lots of ways in philosophy. Chumash gives us examples of what God expects from mankind, especially as far as interdependence and chesed and rachamim and things like that. How we emulate God. Mahurachum, Mahatelachum, and Metatodeo and things like that. That's what we have to learn, and we have to apply that to every generation. That's the job of the Kohanim teaching the Torah. Now, um, then this, so therefore the Kodesh Kodeshim reminds us of the laws we get at Har Sinai to teach us how to use our creativity to choose between good and bad. 
and how to take our industry and channel it in a good way, how to become a model that brings a message of godliness to mankind. Uh, when it comes to Hanukkah, remember the two answers he gave? So, remember last year, uh, I remember, it was on the test. Uh, Haggai talked about, in the beginning of my chain, it was down in the press. Haggai says, don't worry, there's great hopes. On Hanukkah, he said, you'll return to prosperity, you'll return to sovereignty. And we break ground on Hanukkah in the darkest time of the year with great hopes. And that was an important day. Tzchariah came and said, what? It's not only about Chayon Koach, Kim Baruchia Marsha, the Haftarah for Shabbat Hanukkah. It's not only about prosperity and military strength, it's also about Ruach, about godliness. Now, he's not arguing with Haggai, he's complimenting Haggai to make sure you don't get out of hand. What went wrong with Hashmonaim? They got to a good start. After a couple generations, they're off the derach. The rabbis weren't happy with them at all. If we're going to remember Hanukkah for, for future generations, and remembering our desire to one day return to prosperity and sovereignty and have a nation again and be a country again and be prosperous, we have to remember the key message that what? That if God blesses us with prosperity, if God blesses us with military victories, that's one person we need, is that right? We have to remember what we do with that prosperity and with that, with that power. It's not enough to thank God, oh, we won a war. Remember, we won. They tried to, we won, let's see. It's not just, let's say thank you because we beat them. If God blesses with prosperity and sovereignty and victory and, and industry and, 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 and wealth and, 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 um, and science, if we're able to accomplish things, what do we do with those accomplishments? That's the meaning of the menorah. The, the menorah, the, the miracle happening in the menorah specifically. By God giving us a little, it's called a siman. The reason for the, the celebration is the military victory. We're not celebrating the miracle of the menorah. The miracle of the Lord is a sign, it's a siman, not a sibah. The reason for the celebration is a military victory and the return to sovereignty. The meaning of that is symbolized by, by the, by the Nesfah Hashemen. And therefore the Nesfah Hashemen, when we look at the candles, we remember that God gave us a miracle in the menorah to teach us the message of what to do with the military victory. You understand how it's both answers? But so many needs, I need to remember why God had to remind us with the Nes, or why the rabbis put that emphasis on Nesfah Hashemen, and taking away the, the emphasis on the military victory. It's important to celebrate a military victory. We have to say hello and thank God for, for, for our victory. But we have to understand the meaning of it. Not just to say thank you, how do I channel it? And that's the theme also of Kumbish, isn't it? Thinking by Matzah, thinking everywhere. Thinking with creativity. Not just saying thank you for it, but what I do with it. How do I channel it and what do I do with it? And the story we read a couple weeks ago, remember? Is the first name Pach Hashemen? What was the first name Pach Hashemen? Stay from Melachim, it's on the source sheet, the last one. Nes Pach Hashem and Elisha, we read it in Parsha Ba'era. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. There was a lady whose husband died. Who was a rabbi, died. The poor lady had two boys. She had no money to pay her debts. The debt collector had every right, right? No. To, to collect the money and take them as, 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 just like they would do in stone. Right? Legally, he had every right to take the kids as, as, um, as slaves, collateral. That's legal. He had a contract, the whole thing. Okay. What was the tikkun? At least says, what do you have at home? A little thing of oil. What does she need to do? Go borrow vessels from your neighbors. Right? You have to have to start with chesed. Do an act of chesed. No, people do chesed for you even. No? And then that oil can fill up all the kilim, all the vessels you borrowed, and then pay off your debt and get your kids back. No? That's stone versus Avram of You understand? And that's what we read in Parshat Vaira, which is Parshat Stone. That's why the Torah was only about Bish. That's why we started that Torah from there. But you follow the Nesfah Hashem and it's so deep when you understand the story of Elisha. So I hope I didn't, I overkilled it. I did over too much to it. 
But I try to use, I try to illuminate the meaning of Nesach Hashem and laying Chanukiah in light of the menorah. The menorah and the Mishkan is central. That was my key point. And it's, it's a reminder of Telemelokim, of our ability to be creative. God did creation and trust that the civilization. What we do with civilization, that's a challenge of mankind. And we have, should be, as Jewish people, we have to be leaders in that, of channeling that in a, in a positive direction.